service business first, and this is Crisis Management, a podcast about running a business amid the coronavirus pandemic. In this episode, I spoke with Lisa Arledge Powell, president of MediaSource, a Columbus-based communications agency. COVID-19 hasn't just had a professional impact on Lisa, but a personal one as well. Both she and her son were diagnosed with the virus. Lisa and I talk about that experience, the testing, the fatigue, the quarantine, but also how the virus has changed MediaSource, which has kept its staff, but redeployed many to the business's biggest needs at the moment. Just so happens that one of the company's largest client bases is hospital systems. Those very systems on the front line of this fight. Thanks for listening. for joining us today. I think the best place to start out is uh, give us a little bio. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, MediaSource. Great. Well, thanks, Dan, for having me. So I'm Lisa Arledge Powell, and I'm the president and co-founder of MediaSource. We are a communications firm that is based in Columbus. We've been around for 21 years. We work with a lot of brands to help them meet their business goals, and we do that through public relations, video production, social media, storytelling. Um, We work with a lot of hospitals. Just here in town, Ohio State, Wexner Medical Center, Nationwide Children's Hospital, and then we work with um, other academic medical centers across the country, such as UCLA Health in Los Angeles, Orlando Health and Arnold Palmer Hospital for Children in Orlando, as well as National Jewish Health in Denver. So, um, you know, we have lots of healthcare clients really all around the country that are dealing with coronavirus as we are as well. You set me up nicely there. How has your work with those clients, has it changed in any way? It has changed so dramatically, Dan, that we had to change our whole structure of our company last week. So basically, um, so at the beginning, you know, all of our hospital clients were just trying to deal with the crisis at hand. So they work with us because they might have like certain programs or certain, you know, research findings that they want to promote. So they'll work with us. So obviously for a couple of weeks, they're just kind of dealing with getting their hospitals set up, getting patients tested, making sure they have the PPE. And so we were just working on kind of planning for when we knew that they would be ready to just talk about some other things again. So about a couple of weeks into it, basically every one of our hospital clients decided that, you know, they were ready to kind of use us and get back to work. And, and a lot of what we do is to work with them to get national media coverage. And so many requests were coming in that we couldn't just have our PR team take care of it, which is how we're set up. We have a PR team and they basically work with the media. We took the rest of our team, our creative team, they're the ones that maybe shape the story, our strategy and analytics team who helped shape the strategy and then look at um, you know, what was the outcome of the story. We pulled everyone together, we took everyone's best skills and we just put everybody working in what we're calling our coronavirus command center so that we can just service the clients, um, meet the media's needs. And it really has just been like, it's something that I never could have predicted. I didn't really think in the middle of a pandemic that we would just change the structure of our company. But for the time being and until further notice, I feel like it was kind of the only way to get the work done. Just so I better understand, what what is some of the work that was maybe being done before that that obviously isn't needed at this time? You, you know, because you kind of have all hands on deck elsewhere in in the business. So what what's some of the stuff that isn't needed versus what is? So a lot of times we'll be working with hospitals. Say 
you know, we might be charged with promoting like breast cancer month or, you know, heart disease month or something. So we may be working to figure out like, okay, so this is coming up. What stories does this institution have to tell? Do we have any new research? Do we have patients that can help us tell the story? So we're kind of pulling all that together in a really strategic way so that our clients in, in the healthcare industry can kind of stand out during this time, you know, when everyone is kind of competing for the same type of, of stories and same type of exposure. So obviously, like all of that goes out the window, like it really doesn't matter right now. We're planning right from for six months in advance. So we just really started really just kind of being set up like a newsroom. So we have our strategy team monitoring what every national outlet is reporting, kind of what the news of the day is two and three times a day. Because I'm sure you can agree with me, this is the fastest news cycle I have ever seen. In I mean, it is unbelievable. It, you know, what's, what's news at 8 in the morning? If you're not out there by 9 talking about it, at noon, sorry, we've moved on to the next thing that somebody said or, or you know, the next uh, statistic coming out of a state or something. So, so a lot of the planning that we were doing for more overall product lines has kind of gone by the wayside while we're just dealing with like the stories that are coming out that we're promoting from the hospitals there. I mean, they're still doing it as well, but sure. keep in mind, I, I talked to a couple of our different hospital uh, PIOs and one of them told me last week that she'd had two days off since March 1st, not, not weekends in two days, but two full days off since March 1st. So you know, I think like some of these communications workers in healthcare are on the front lines as well. And, you know, we're just trying to support them the best we can. I think I can guess at this, but um, what are some of the stories that are, that are you help, that you're helping to tell now? What, what are some of the communications that these hospitals want to get out there? So one of the stories is out of the Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center talking about how they are helping, say, New York, for example, with giving them um, test supplies and some of the recipes to how they make some things to do with testing. Um, so that, that would be one of them. With Nationwide Children's Hospital, we are promoting how they are, um, they now are offering telemedicine. And, you know, in the behavioral health industry, that's something that lots of people are needing right now. And so trying to show people how they can get those types of services. So there are stories that may not be like the news of the day that, you know, how many, you know, how many people have been diagnosed and, you know, what's going on with PPE the hospitals are handling that stuff. We're handling some of their maybe broader stories that might have more national appeal. The other clients that you have, what's, what's the status of that business? Is there anything that's on hold? Is there additional work that you're doing for clients outside of the health field? Um, actually, no, uh, no, no work has really gone on hold. So we also run um, the blog for the state of Ohio, the Tech Ohio blog. So work just changed. So usually, you know, we're working to, to help promote startups and we show what entrepreneurs and startup companies are doing here in the state of Ohio. And instead of that, we've maybe shifted and it, it ties a little bit more to what's happening with coronavirus and help for small businesses. So no, no work has really gone away. Um, it's changed and some maybe topics that we were thinking about might be put on hold. I will tell you something that we haven't done to date, but I think we're going to start this week is any video shoots. So, 
you know, we have a, a creative team and we shoot video and that's, that's a lot of, you know, what we're really good at and what clients hire us to do. And so all of that has kind of gone dark for a while, but we feel like that we may be in a position to start doing some shooting in a really safe way going forward. I know on our side, being a, a, a publication, I think we have a little better understanding on how to do photos and some things like now, whereas the first couple of weeks, it's like, how do we do this? Certainly understand. I know. So yeah, I, I think one thing that we have done though is sort of taken maybe what some of the institutions mm-hmm. are shooting themselves or not even the communications people, honestly, because the communications people aren't really within the halls of the hospital right now. It's really just the medical care workers. So we might take like some photos that they maybe got from someone on a certain floor of the hospital and we're, we might put them on a newsroom so the media can easily, they know what they are. We put a caption with them. They can download them. So we're trying to help, you know, everything is just being done in a new way. And I really think that there's a, a really good chance that like the new way, there'll be parts of this new way that are going to stick around and yeah. we won't go back to that old environment that, that yeah. we had before. What, um, what's going to be an example or two of, of something that you think is, that's happening now that's a change that, that may stick going into the future? I think um, what we're doing right now, a Zoom interview, right? So I think, you know, working as a communicator for, you know, years up and up until this crisis happened, if we would offer, say, one of our doctors at one of one of the medical centers we work with via Zoom or Skype or FaceTime, CNN would be like, no, thank you. Like, you know, it has to be like our photographer coming with their camera, or sometimes it's maybe our team with our professional camera. And so that's all gone out the window because nobody's really leaving their houses or for wherever or wherever they are. So I don't know that that will go back to exactly how it is. Like, I, I do think that we'll still see some of the professional interviews, but I do think just because of speed, speed mm-hmm. is needed. And if you want to talk to that person right now in their environment, I think some of that is going to stick around. I wonder, like, I think remote working. So at MediaSource, we started at the end of last year, so fourth quarter last year, we did a test where once a week on Fridays, our whole team would um, work remotely. Mm-hmm. And you know, sometimes everyone couldn't do it because say we would have a video shoot, obviously the producers and videographers would have to go out on the shoot. But by and large, most of the team was able to work remotely. And I'm, I just feel so um, thankful that we did that because it showed us the tools we needed, um, some of the communications processes we needed in place so that when it was time to work remote, we just kind of flipped a switch and one day we were in the office and the next day we weren't. I think the world may embrace remote working from home mm-hmm. a lot more than maybe we have in the past. Yeah, definitely. Um, how, many, how many employees do you have and has, that, has COVID changed that in any way? So it hasn't. We have 20, about 20 employees and we still have all of our same employees. Everyone's able to work from home. Um, We're just kind of doing it a new way. One thing it's just been a a priority of mine is to try to support our employees as much as possible and keep them engaged. So, you know, we have a couple people whose that's their job is to make sure they're engaged and, you know, things are working like they need to work and checking on people. Mm -hmm. And what I've done is I've tried to check in with everyone um, individually on a regular basis, not just the leadership team, but everyone. And I, I feel like that 
I feel like I know a little bit more about what's going on at all levels. I know that probably sounds odd. Like how can I be, you know, not face to face and I feel like I know a little bit more now, but I think because we're over communicating that you just can kind of get to maybe the heart of things quicker in this way than maybe you can if you're in the same building and you think, oh, I'll just like call them from my phone or whatever. You uh, personally experienced a bit of a curveball that some other businesses haven't in that you actually had COVID. You have direct experience with the disease, with the virus. Tell me a little bit about how, you know, how you came in contact with it and then what that was like actually having this thing that everybody is, is so worried about. I have a son, he's 22 years old, and he attends um, the University of Colorado in Boulder. He's a senior, so he's not gonna have a graduation this year, unfortunately. But um, he also has Crohn's disease and is on immunosuppressants. So obviously, the possibility of him contracting coronavirus was a big fear of mine because, you know, as we've heard, can really hit those who are immunosuppressed harder than others. So, you know, when the, the stay-at-home order was happening, actually it was like when Governor DeWine announced the, that the schools were going to go remote, it was very early on, I decided to get in a car with my ex-husband and his dad, and we started driving toward Boulder, and my son started, started driving toward Columbus, Ohio, and we met, we met in the middle, and I ended up being the person driving my son's car home, which is important in a second. I'll tell you why. So we got him home and, you know, I was really happy to have him home. But then he just sort of started showing signs that he might be sick, like, like within a day of being home. So we were able to get him tested, but it was so early on that he didn't know for more than a week if he was positive or negative. In the meantime, he was getting a little better. So I kept thinking, well, so he's getting better and they say it hits people who are immunosuppressed so much worse so he probably doesn't have it. Well, he ended up testing positive and then I started feeling not great. And I think probably because early on, you know, when you're not really um, showing the symptoms, like I'm in his car, which let's be honest, it was on a college campus, like I'm sure it wasn't clean on the inside. And, you know, just kind of like picking up all the germs that he had just been in, because we were real careful face to face, but I was just thinking, I was just in that germ infested car. I'm sure that's how I picked it up. So I ended up testing positive as well. Yeah, so it was interesting running the company and sort of, sort of doing what we were doing, dealing with journalists and things like that about coronavirus while I had the coronavirus. And really for, for a period of time, I didn't really know I had it because my symptoms weren't that severe. My main symptoms were that I was really, really tired, very fatigued. That was the main one. It was just kind of like that kind of tired. It's not just like you didn't get enough sleep. You just think something might be wrong. And the second one was I did lose my sense of taste. Oh, not my sense of smell. I had that, but it was taste. Both my son and I had fairly mild cases. I would say I felt pretty good within a week. And it's been several weeks now, and I feel like everything has, has cleared my system. And now I'm on the list. I'm hoping to, to donate some plasma to maybe help some of the folks who, who need it that have coronavirus. So it has been kind of uh, quite a ride. It's interesting. At the very beginning of this, I decided... I want to I want to use this as a way to test my leadership skills to be a good leader so I started keeping a journal. Mm -hmm. And it really was just so I could kind of look back on it but then once I contracted the coronavirus and just kind of journaling that it was like who would have thought, right? <laughs> Did it impact running the business in 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 any way? Did you have to, you know, maybe change the hours that you were operating just 
because of that fatigue? Is what, what sort of impact did it have there? So I think when I had the worst symptoms, I was the next day doing a webinar for a, a public relations professional organization about communicating in the coronavirus world. So in my mind, you know how like when you're, when you've committed to something and, it, and it's just something with a deadline, I just kept thinking like, I just got to push through. I got to get this thing done. And obviously, you know, I wasn't exposing myself to anyone else. I'm just, you know, sitting in my house. So I didn't really change anything, but I remember that was on a Friday. And after that, I just went to bed until like the next day. So luckily I had the weekend to kind of try to feel better and then on monday i think i didn't work the full day and that's the day that i found out that i did test positive and then that's when i told the staff so um so i, I really didn't miss much work but i, I think i would have had had the timing not been during the weekend because it just knocked me out i was so tired how long did it take the, your results from from testing and okay so mine uh, so I got tested on a Sunday and by Monday night, I think a doctor called me on Monday night. So I think what they do, at least at Ohio State, is if you test positive, they call you and then they put it in your my chart. I think if you test negative, it might just appear in your my chart. But there's a doctor that called me at nine o'clock at night to tell me. You have to self-quarantine, obviously. So so were you how long were you kind of isolated? Is it is it you and in your son there kind of uh, sharing the space? I guess what was what was that like? What did that feel like? Yeah, my son was back and forth between my place and his dad's place. So we all were sort of interacting. But yeah, I was quarantined. I mean, I wasn't seeing anyone. And, you know, I still really, you know, I'm kind of going out to get necessary things. But like, I feel like I, I may start venturing out a little bit more. Because the thing is, you don't really know when you're over it. Like you feel better, but because they know so little about it and they don't have enough tests to bring you back and say like, okay, great. Now you're negative. Mm -hmm. I've just been really careful because I don't want to expose anyone else, but it has been a couple of weeks. So I, I feel pretty good about my health right now. Good. Well, that is good to hear. Lisa, I'm looking at my notes. I think I had everything I wanted to ask you about. Is there any, anything about yourself, the, uh, uh, your business that, uh, that we haven't talked about today? I think if I just had to give some advice. If I had to give some advice, the thing I would say is think positively, but prepare for the worst. So I think during all of this, none of us could have predicted it. There is no handbook, right? Mm -hmm. So I think I was just very optimistic and I continue to be optimistic, but you also have to be realistic to make sure you have the plans in place, that you're talking to the right people and that you're making the right decisions quickly enough. Because that's been the thing is, you barely have time to, to weigh the options because you just got to make a decision because things are changing so quickly. Thank you, Dan. It was great. Take great. care.